I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response... Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blast podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blast, a podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. With me, Jessica Michelle Singleton, JMS. I'm an idiot. I'm also your host. I'm a comedian. 
Look, but the idiot thing is why we're here. Because we're all idiots sometimes, so I'm trying to get answers to my questions, maybe some of your questions. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for giving me a listen. Please hit that subscribe button, rate and review me on iTunes. It helps. It makes it so other people find the podcast, helps me feel better. And thank you to everyone who has already done that. That's great. I love having your support. I love that you're listening. I love that this year is rolling into what seems like an okay situation given that we're still in a pandemic. Uh, This is neither here nor there. I'm not going to go into that. But anyway, the point is, thank you for your support. If you want to support a little bit more, I have a Patreon. That's right. I'm sure you'll hear it on almost every podcast you listen to. But you can give me a dollar a month too and you'll get bonus content. There's stand-up clips, full-length episodes. That's right. This one cuts off toward, uh, well, at an hour. There's a little bit after. Anything over an hour is over on Patreon. And um, there's you, you can be part of the live streams when I actually go live with the interviews. We do hangouts. There's mail. It's a lot of fun. And look, yes, this is me trying to jazz up asking you for money. But in fairness, I'm giving you something for the money and I would love your support. But if not, I get it. But anyway, before we move on, in the name of support, shout out to my biggest, bestest idiots forever, Jean and Kathy, top tier patrons who I'm shouting out every episode because I'm so, so extra, extra thankful for your extra, extra support. I know we are all being pulled a million ways in terms of where we can put our money where we need to or people asking for support in forms of the entertainment we have. So it means a lot that you give that money to me. And um, of course, I'm thankful for all my patrons. And I'm also thankful for Neurogum. You're going to hear it every episode. It's not really an ad, but I have a code for it and I actually like it. So I will keep shoving things down your throat. Neurogum, it's uh, it's caffeinated gum with B vitamins and L-theanine. So it gives you focused energy. I love it. It helps me and my wacky brain get through actual tasks so I can get stuff like this podcast out to you. If you're interested to try it, getneuro.com slash jms g-e-t-n-e-u-r-o dot com slash jms you'll get 15% off your first order and uh you want to talk more about that you want to talk more about life there's a facebook group is what i'm saying ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots join the facebook group everybody's a little bit ignorant sometimes and that is our safe space for maybe unsafe questions you got a question that you're like people might think i'm stupid but you want to start a dialogue about it that's to place the place to go We've got crazy memes. We've got silly stuff. And uh, and it's just a place to meet other people who are fans of the podcast. Get to know them better. It's kind of a little community. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And speaking of little, this is also not an ad, but I am really into short story box. If there are any little women listening to this, like myself, anyone under five foot four, it's one of those, I don't know if you've heard of Stitch Fix. It's like a stylist delivery company where you take a bunch of like quizzes about outfits you like and you give notes on the things you like uh, through their website. And um, then someone styles you and they send you a box of stuff to try on and you keep what you like and you send back what you don't. And uh, yeah, I've gotten a bunch of stuff I like and I'm not working with them currently, but oh, am I on like, uh, like a campaign to hopefully do it absolutely because it's so hard to find clothes that now I'm like what the perfect place that I'm obsessed with that I could get more clothes from absolutely so if you're a little like me they have sizes double zero petite all the way up to 18 petite so fucking all shapes and sizes not all sizes but lots of shapes in small sizes you know short petite you get it fuck off anyway I put a link in that's got a referral link that anyone gets when they make an account. It's not a special thing for me, but you will get your referral fee, not referral fee, your uh, styling fee waived. So usually they, they charge you $25 for styling fee, which if you keep something gets applied toward that thing you keep, but uh, it'll waive that. So that's fun. And whatever you don't like, at no cost to you, you just put it in the bag they give you and you send it back. So you try it on, hate everything, send it back. And it was a fun fashion show. All right. Wow, I'm going on and on. Listen, let's get to the episode because this is a good one. I brought on Robin Downs. She's amazing. Speaker, wellness uh, personality, I guess. I don't know if anyone ever wants to be called a personality. That seems like a bold statement, but she's got one and she's great. Uh, Author of the book, The Feel Good Effect. Um, 
in the Mind Behind the Web- website, realfoodwholelife.com, which of course has lots of resources, recipes, uh, information on on your own wellness. And she's she's another, this is two in a row of these like people in the wellness community who are realistic, who are like, yeah, shit doesn't work. You're going to make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And like, that's, that's their whole thing. I mean, it's not their whole thing, but like they, they approach this shit with like a realistic human mind point instead of this all or nothing, you know, hashtag no bad days bullshit, which I appreciated. So it was just a good conversation with information and understanding. And I just loved it. So anyway, no further ado, uh, you know, check the show notes to get her book and to get her website and every uh, social media and everything. But for now, please enjoy Robin Downs. Hey, idiots. Thank you for listening. I am here with Robin Downs, speaker, author, wellness person, guru. I mean, what are there so many things to call you? Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you. I mean, where do we even begin? I, big fan, big fan of wellness, big fan of what you're doing. So you've got this new book, The Feel Good Effect, Reclaim Your Wellness by Creating Small Shifts that Create Big Change. It'll be in the show notes, everyone. Click it, go get it, enjoy it. I kind of want to talk to you about small changes and, well, let's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start with, how did you get into wellness. Have you always just been someone who was good at this? Was it something you transitioned into? Yeah. So have I, have I been good, always been good at this? I would have used to say, no, I was not good at it. That's how I got into it. (laughs) And now I will say that there, even the idea that we label ourselves good at it or bad at it is like one of the things that I like to talk about and teach about. But actually my background's in, I was a a researcher and academic. I ran a, a research nonprofit. So I did a lot of work around behavioral change. So how we make and keep habits. And then also at the policy level, really how we support change. So I wouldn't consider that wellness work uh, at all. (laughs) (laughs) There was no wellness in it. It was very (laughs) stressful. (laughs) And I think even the word wellness didn't really come into our lexicon until like maybe 10 years ago. It wasn't even considered an industry. So no, I knew it almost I was, feels like it was invented by Instagram. <laughs> you know, I've actually had, I've done a lot of thinking and researching to like, where did it even come from? And how has it become this thing that we don't really even know what it is? No one can define, but seems to make people feel bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is so hilarious because it's counterintuitive to the whole thing. Yeah. And I think my pursuit of wellness did not make me well. So that was sort of my inroad into it was that I was struggling with my own personal health and I was really burned out and I um, was, you know, doing the 60 hour work hour a week job and and I was in a doctoral program and I had a baby and I found myself at the bottom of the list. I wasn't prioritizing my health, happiness or healing. And that, that seemed wrong to me, but then the way I was, then I kind of threw myself into wellness. Like this is how I should do it. Yeah. I think it has something to do with like green smoothies and working out for an hour a day and like laughing at your salad at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at your salad. That's so, like every, it's so true. Right. Like, like every person on Instagram, I was like, so I just stand and laugh at the salad. Like, is that how this works? That and then I'll seem... feel happy or. Right. And I realized that I was getting these like re- results of the things that they say you want. And I was still miserable because my approach that I was using was really making me miserable. Oh my and God. I still I, felt like I was failing at it. Yeah. I relate to that personally. I imagine it's so relatable because, you know, I'm just now really getting into, okay, I'll try to prioritize quote self-care, whatever the hell that means. You know what I mean? Cause for so long I was like, self-care you're a pussy just do do your stuff yeah it then becomes one more task that like if i'm not doing it good enough it's like oh i didn't have my smoothie i guess i just don't care about myself and instead of just not having the smoothie i'm now berating myself over i didn't have use essential oils or whatever yes i think we've turned wellness into another form of productivity and therefore another way that we're failing at life Um, and that's really marketable, right? Like you can sell that because when people feel bad (laughs) about themselves, then they buy more to feel better. And that's the circle and this loop. So uh, that would became, 
I would say revealed to me as I did the work. And then I, I tried to put that, you know, into the work that I do now is like take, and I think it helped because I was an outsider. I was coming at, at it for, as an academic, but also a person who struggled with it, but I wasn't like in this inside crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, ca- I feel like it was easier for me to see like, oh, this isn't working. Like this isn't going to work for anyone. Yeah. Um, and, and interestingly, like when I, my book proposal, so for the feel good effect, when it went out to the publishers, it was accepted by some of the major publishers. And one of them in particular, one of the, I'm with Penguin, when the Penguin Random House, but another big publisher went all the way up to the top. And the uh, person at the top said he didn't want it because he didn't want an anti-wellness book. And I was like, so the book is about small shifts. It's about (laughs) being kind to yourself in the process. It's about enjoying your life. Yeah. So that's anti-wellness. Then what is that's wellness? That's like insane. Oh my God. That someone in charge of, especially like a major publishing company would go like, this doesn't check all the boxes of the cartoon. Like, I mean that it's so interesting because I've never written a book. I've, you know, but it's just interesting. These parallels with different artistic industries, how some gatekeepers can be so close-minded and like, I only want things that look like the things we've already done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have any conflicting information with stuff we've already put out there, conflicting ideas. Wow. And really, like, I think he wanted essentially like a programmatic diet or a programmatic exercise program that's yeah. really related to like body size. I mean, and and so anything outside of that, and this applies to all of us, not, you know, however you identify men, women in the middle, like yeah. we're all we're all subjected to this and we start to narrowly define what, what wellness is without asking if that's what we really want it to be. And then narrowly defining what success is, even though the success is, is like this impossible bar that's always raising. And to me, that's like, I don't really care if you drink a green smoothie. I'm a little more concerned about our, like our mental and spiritual health here or like our actual humanity in terms of how we're approaching this. Absolutely. And you touching on also success, I think a big thing that not a lot of other people, I I don't see people talking about it so much is defining success for yourself because I feel like so much of us are, and that ties in with checking the boxes of wellness that it's like, oh, I'm doing all these things that I was told mean I'm successful. And it's like, well, is that what you want to do? Is that what success actually means to you? If I get this, you know, I'm trying to get a six figure job or do this, you know, I I mean, there's a million dumb examples I could get, but it's like, do you want to do this? Does it actually bring you joy? Or is it like, I was told that this would lead to happiness? Right. Yeah. A lot of people that were in my community and work with me, they're like, yeah, it's so interesting because I was approaching wellness or self-help like from this place as if I was broken and that there was something that I could do if I did it exactly right, it would fix me. And when I come to you, you're always like, well, do you want to do that? And (laughs) is that working for you? And you could try this. And if you like it, do it. And if it doesn't work, don't do it. And they're like, I never thought about that way. And I said, that's so sad to me that, that that's, I'm like the outsider when I just invite you to ask for yourself how does this connect with my values? Does this connect with how I want to feel? Does this work in my life? And like, I think that that's where we get that backlash against self-care because you, it doesn't mean any, if it doesn't mean anything to you and it's just another thing that you feel bad about doing. So I'm like, that's why it says reclaim on the front of the book. It's like reclaim what success means to you. And imagine that's radical. Like if we all started doing that, there's some big shifts that would happen. Huge. I mean, the, the amount of people who would just shift out of the career that the path that they're on, mm-hmm. relationships might end. I mean, even things that are, quote, healthy, someone might go, oh, I've hated Pilates the whole time. I'm never coming here again. I just did it because all of my girlfriends were doing it. Or right. <laughs> right. And it, it is so true that. Uh, you know, I saw like this very well-known person in the space who I think is pretty toxic. And she was talking about um, how to, how to drink a smoothie. And she was like, you to, to enjoy your smoothie. And she's like, you don't, you just swallow it whole because it will make you full. And I was like, what an interesting message that she's sending, that you know, feels like an eating disorder 
territory. <laughs> well, I, you know, again, like there, there's a, there's a spectrum of disordered people in the industry. In the and industry. They tend to really be very popular, I would say. So yeah, they, I mean, like, they have the right filters on their Instagram photo and you have enough white backgrounds with, I don't know, like I'm just imagining all the people I follow. <laughs> Though you slap a like sunlit filter on something and people are like, you're an expert. You can do a yoga pose. And yes. Like, oh, and I'm like, if you don't want to drink the smoothie, you could think about how to, if, if you know smoothies make your body feel good and you want to make it taste better, then do that. If you really don't like it, please don't swallow it whole, like find a different <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> Yeah, there are other ways to get the nutrients you need besides shoveling them down in a liquid form. Wow. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about toxic positivity in the wellness industry, because I'll say as someone who is not in it is for sure a consumer of it, you know, trying to be better and then doing the thing that you're talking about where I'm wrestling with. Well, I don't feel better doing this. So am I a failure? You know, I have met at least two what I would consider like wellness influencers. If you looked at what they're presenting, it's love and light and be, you know, if you, you have to do X, Y, Z and you'll be positive and you'll be a positive force. Two of the most negative people I've ever <laughs> met in my, like having real conversations with them. I'm like, sorry that you do, you do what for work? You are, you run courses on how to be a positive. This is feels weird. How do you see that? What are what are ways you see it manifesting in the in the industry and what maybe things people could keep an eye out for? I don't know. Yeah, let's separate it out. So first, I would say there's sort of just be um, we don't have any tools for this. So I'm never going to ask you to be wholly responsible. Understand this is a system that's working against you. But yeah. still, we can do something, which is <laughs> we can be informed consumers and just ask, like, am I following this person because they really have my best interest in mind and they really have something to offer as a teacher? Yes. Or is, are they, I call it wellness entertainment, mm. which is just like, if you watch The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. Hello. You don't watch that thinking that you're going to then implement this. This is not your relationship guidance course on how to construct healthy relationships. I mean, it's God entertainment. Help you if you do, <laughs> there are probably people who do and stop it if you're doing that. But yes, no, exactly. That you're like, this is for my enjoyment. Right. And I think that if you take those people and you put them in that category, which is like the sort of reality TV people of wellness, then you can, you don't need to like listen to them. You can just let it be like your mindless scroll where you're in, entertained by it. I think the problem gets into where we confuse those people for like actual teachers who are, um, who have good information. And again, who really have your best interest in mind versus building their, um, there's fame and status, oh, right? Empire, yeah, yeah. They're like fame and yeah, 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 absolutely. And I and and so you can just do that filter in your mind. You don't even have to unfollow them. Just say like, this person is not giving me health advice. They are no. entertaining me. Um, and, and that's then, okay. And that's okay. I don't throw any of those people under the bus. I'm just saying that like we need to know what they're doing and keep them in that lane. Yeah, um, be aware. Right, and know that it's not real. Just like we, I think we know reality TV is not real. Those, those people, I that is so. a persona that they're putting out. And like you said, a lot of times it's inconsistent with who they really are and what they yes. really do in their real life. So it's like, take it for what it is and be cognizant of that. And then, I mean, I feel like there's a lot to say about all of the people who I have, I mean, actually like so far this year, everyone I've interviewed is like, they've done the work as far as like they educate themselves. They're like, coming from a point of like, let's look into like why this works or why this doesn't, which I, I'm extremely appreciative of. Also, I think there's something to be said about hearing, you know, someone in your position where you're, you know, this figure that people might look to for information going, yeah, no, like it's not always going to work for someone and that's okay. Like you can be like, <laughs> actually this, I don't like. That's another red flag is if they're not saying that, then I would probably again, put them in the entertainer category and do not listen to what they're saying from a, from like how you're running your life kind of point of yeah, view. Yeah. It's like hashtag no bad days. Never. You never have a bad day. Okay. And I know these people too. They, they turn off their phone and they start screaming at their partner for taking the wrong Instagram picture. Like this is not real. <laughs> so we just need to have some like 
it's really hard to have perspective though. And when we're, when we don't have, it's like, why I want to have this conversation more, like, let's talk about it because then you can have a reality check for yourself. And then the other side of it, like with toxic positivity, it really runs deep. I mean, it's really dangerous. If you look at the, um, like back into the seventies, there was a, a psychologist who coined the term spiritual bypassing. So spiritual bypassing, and which is now, more used in the anti-racism educator community about bypass, like when you bypass negative emotions, there's a, there's a consequence for it. So what they were talking about in the seventies was like in the emergence of, of the pop of the um, positive psych movement. Ah, okay. There's a little bit of a pushback. Like our goal is not to be happy a hundred percent of the time. That's not, um, being a human. Yeah, no, that's that like, yeah, it's if, if you can get the message out of like, that does not exist. Let go of wanting that to be your truth because wanting that is just adding, I feel like suffering to the pile. Now, instead of just being sad, you're also sad and then mad that you're not happy. 100%. And that a lot of the research we do is around that, that, and uh, self-compassion research, Dr. Kristen Neff has done a lot of work in this area that in order to show yourself true kindness, you have to acknowledge the suffering first. Like, wow, this is really hard today. I feel like a human pile of garbage today. Like that's a real thing. And the more that you try to bypass it or push it away or shove it down, it's like a spring. So imagine if I'm pushing against a spring and I'm, that's my negative emotions and my sadness and my pain. And I keep pushing, I'm pushing. Guess what happens when you let go? <laughs> it springs they, right back in your face. Yeah. Violently. That's yes. such a great visual for explaining it. A therapist once told me like, you can't put a bandaid on a volcano. Mm. It is that like those feelings have to come up. And if you're not letting them come up naturally, it's going to turn into a nasty explosion. It can manifest in like physical illness and physical pain. If you bury emotions long enough. I 100%. Yeah. And, and then when we get into like the love and light and good vibes only when we're talking about that externally, what what we're talking about is letting some people be comfortable at the expense of others. So that's something I always kind of try to talk about. Not that I don't think every wellness influencer now needs to become an activist, but I also think when those people are saying love and light and good vibes only, what they mean is love and light and good vibes only for a certain group to be comfortable at the exclusion of other people. So yeah, that they're like, keep your negativity away from me. And I'm like, you mean you keep the negativity for the people that are like you, because this is negative for me to not address. This is actually really negative for a lot of people. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of like trying to see the full picture. And we do have something in our brains, the way our brains work, it's called negativity bias. We're better. We're evolutionarily better at seeing the negative and the threat and the harm. So I do say like, we need to be able to see the full picture, but we don't need a positivity bias. We just need a reality bias, which is that there is negative and there's positive and those exist in our full spectrum of life and that we can allow them to both be there. It's like this, again, this toxic ridiculousness of like gratitude and anxiety. Have you ever seen that quote? Gratitude and anxiety can't exist at the same time. Have you ever seen I have never seen that quote. And you just saying it like is making me mad. I'm like, no, <laughs> basically my whole existence on Instagram is like, no, why <laughs> stop? Like, that's like my whole <laughs> brand. I'm just going to have that be my no, why? And please and stop. Please stop. Because that's, <laughs> so that's, there's all this research about the, um, benefits really of gratitude. So I would fully recommend that you adopt a gratitude practice as your self-care, but oh, yeah. that um, I literally have gratitude journal. Awesome. And you know what? It really, we've had thousands of studies on the effectiveness of gratitude, but what we need to understand is that we can't put it in this category. Um, I call it the feel good fallacy. Like I talk about feeling good and that doesn't mean I'm telling you to feel good all the time. And in fact, the only way to feel good is be experiencing those negative emotions but with gratitude our brains are really amazingly complex we can feel anxiety and gratitude at the exact same time and that's okay yeah I mean it's so funny to me that like anyone could 
push that narrative. How is that going to like resonate with someone who's like, you know what, I'm going to try gratitude. And as they're doing it, feeling anxiety and then going, well, I must not really be grateful because they can't exist. Well, because the research on gratitude actually suggests that the majority of people do feel anxious or guilt relate when they start practicing gratitude. So we're just setting people. I don't, I think, you know, it's a whole conversation about capitalism and individualism that we probably don't need to go into, but it's really just fascinating to me, like how these people, it's just a departure from basic facts that I get concerned about. And, (laughs) and, and why you would even say that when you, well, you haven't looked at the research, so that would be why you'd say it, but you're really setting up people for failure. Like when I talk about gratitude, I'm like, this will change your life. Also be aware that when you start doing it, it might uncover a bunch of stuff. Like you might feel guilty about the things in your life when you start to notice them. And like, here's how to cope with that and know that that's normal versus being like, you're broken. Like you're doing it wrong. Thanks for purchasing my gratitude notebook. Have a nice life. And I, it's like, it's always just, you're doing it wrong. So too bad for you. Um, I don't know. Good luck out there. Yeah, that's huge. Well, let's talk a little bit about the brain science. So you mentioned that we have this like negativity bias and how getting to sort of a state of awareness of both of those. Do you know anything about the uh, of both both of those being, you know, positivity, reality versus like finding the negativity. I have a friend, Adam Macias, who used to have a joke about wearing shit colored lenses <laughs> like, and just seeing everything in the color of shit. But yes, <laughs> that resonates, I think, for a lot of us right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so deeply, although this morning I was like rose colored for today. We're yeah. going to I think it ties in with like the science of, you know, how gratitude lists and, and practicing gratitude can be helpful. Are there other things as far as rewiring the brain that help you shift out of maybe a constant negativity to somewhere more balanced and healthy? 100%. That's actually what the whole first half of my book is talking about sort of the, the toxicity of, and of our approach and, and how some of that's just natural wiring in our brain. And a lot of it's reinforced through marketing and things like that. And that would be um, so perfectionism, expecting yourself never to make a mistake and to do it in these impossible standards that we have for ourselves, all or nothing thinking that we have to be all in or all out. And then comparison yes. that we're always looking around at what other people are doing. And really in our research, that's what we found to be the biggest barrier for people. So when you can acknowledge that, that's step, honestly, awareness of that, like you just said is, yeah. is step one, but then the antidote is really um, this idea of learning self-compassion of learning flexible thinking and of learning um, gratitude and then doing that in an imperfect flexible way. way. Being okay with the fact that like, sometimes you're not going to nail it. I always use the term mindfulness and that's literally just because I'm sure it's been shoved down my throat through marketing and the things I consume, but having the awareness that those are things that you need, need to be aware of. That sounds what a dumb sentence. No, that's not a dumb sentence. It actually like learning to catch yourself when you go to the point of like super negativity and go or like judging yourself for not being perfect and then going, oh, I I'm doing the thing where I expect myself to be perfect. And that's not I mean, is that kind of. Yes. And it is mindfulness. I just don't lead with that because that shuts a lot of people down right away. Yeah. Well, no, because it's like a buzzword. Yes. And people go, "Okay, I get it. Right. I have the Headspace app, whatever. So mindfulness can also be translated to mean heartfulness. I love that. And it can also mean um, a a remembering, a clear remembering. A clear remembering. Oh, I like that. So when we kind of step away from this marketing of mindfulness and just ask the simple question of like, if I can be aware of my thoughts, yes, then I can ask, is that true? Yes, because we we are inundated by so many thoughts that like some of it's just like long term conditioning, especially if you're someone who has had those shit colored lenses on, you know, where you're constantly seeing things negative. You're constantly judging yourself negatively, learning to kind of catch yourself when you go, oh, I'm so stupid because you made a mistake and then go, no, I'm not stupid. I everyone makes mistakes. Exactly. And so it's like catching yourself. And then there are some practices that you can adopt that will help 
I mean, we don't have time to get into the super brain science, but it really actually is a rewiring of your brain. You physically change your brain when you learn these other ways of thinking. Um, And then that kind of gives you a different, it does give you different results in life because you're not in this, sorry, it's like a prison in our brain where we're constantly doing these things that we think are the ways to success. But back to the beginning of our conversation, what if we redefine success and success can occur without like the constant self-flagellation and the constant comparison and always going all in or all out. And you can do that without losing your personality or your identity. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big that's a hard thing with like wanting to get better. I think we attach so much of who we are to like the opinions we hold or like kind of the attitude we have. And it's like, oh, if your whole, if my whole attitude has been sort of like a sarcastic, like, ah, like fuck the world. And then I start to do things to see the world slightly differently. Yeah. Do I lose who I am? Right. And I will, I would say, I would, would, you would have to explore that for yourself. I'll never tell you like the answer, (laughs) one right way, but um, probably not. Like I am a skeptic. I am not an opt. I'm a pessimist, (laughs) skeptical, pessimistic, academic. And, and so I was actually the most resistant to learning these things, self-compassion being kind to myself. I'm like, what a load of crap. Like that's nonsense. And um it's actually had the biggest impact for me, but I didn't, I haven't like lost my sense of humor. I I'm not any less skeptical. I just enjoy my experience of life a lot more. And um, I just don't get into that. You know, the, the shit color glasses place is really, it just sucks. It's like a sucky place to be. And I'm not in the road. I mean, it really is just a clearing away. And so I just have like normal, clear glasses on most of the time. And sometimes they might go one way or another, but like the clear glass is really pretty pumped. In fact, I feel like my true self, it comes through more because I'm not, you know, clouded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By these sort of like false, you know, perceptions of the, you know, the stories we tell ourselves. Right. Um, And as a comedian, I bet that I bet there's even some resistance to that because a lot of comedy is, in the kind of self-deprecation yeah it's funny to talk about what an idiot i am kind of thing yeah and i so, mean <laughs> yeah uh, that's an, literally this whole thing yeah <laughs> so i think it's just an exploration of like can you still find humor uh even in self-deprecation without it coming from like a microaggressive place yeah that it's like it i guess it would almost be like learning to laugh with yourself instead yeah. of at yourself sort of where you just go oh my god look at this silly thing i did versus i'm such a fucking moron yes that's a yes. big difference it's laugh it's the human condition is hysterical and we we don't even have to be harder on ourselves <laughs> i mean uh, what a gift okay i love this we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back okay we're back we left obviously laughing about the human condition which I'm fully on board for. And that's not just all the mushrooms I've done in the past talking, but I mean, there really is like so much silliness to the world around us that you really don't. I I love that. Like, it's like learning that you don't have to be like in a negative judgmental place to still laugh at things. You can just Mm -hmm. be like, how silly. Uh, Yes. Because it is, it is. If you can't laugh at it, (laughs) what else are we going to do? I know. I mean, that's literally always been my mindset with so many things is that like sometimes all you can do is laugh like and that's where, you know, I think maybe a lot of comedians, you know, there are comedians who try to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. But then there are comedians who do jokes and someone will get offended because there's a, a a word that buzzes their own trigger and which is, you know, sucks for them as well. You know what I mean? But like yeah, I guess it's just like, wow, I really derailed and don't even know what I was saying. There. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, yeah, sometimes a situation is so beyond your control that like for me, finding a way to kind of twist it in my mind in a way that I can laugh is a, a way to cope is just to go, how can I find something about this that's ridiculous 
and then it's not I mean, especially heavy stuff. That's a big part of my comedy is like as I've progressed, I've gone from just being like, oh, here's some dirty jokes about some embarrassing sex story to like examining my own mental health and like being able to laugh at like how silly even we are in our moments of sadness that like mm-hmm. how ridiculous being a person can be. Yeah. Um, who? <laughs> so See, it's funny. <laughs> I, I know. Well, because it's like, even in the most, the most serious conversations, once you're out of it, if you take a step back and look, it's just like, what are any of us doing? Mm-hmm. Like what, what the just existence is so hilarious that like even the things we do that do genuinely make us feel good or or make us feel bad it's like yelling like who is that for but like it's so funny the idea of yelling to me and then I realized that this is (laughs) literally there's nothing more healing than me than to me than like when I'm frustrated the idea of yelling but not like at someone I'm just like I think sometimes I just want to be really loud and it feels like my body's letting something out. (laughs) And it's like, what is what? What? I'm a cartoon. Um, I want to I want to talk to you about because like you do all these things. You're a mom. You're I mean, you're juggling so many things, wearing so many different hats. And I, I feel like it falls in line with kind of, you know, what what your book is pointing towards is finding time like how does someone who is doing virtually nothing to take care of themselves you know a a workaholic mom who's also going to school what are like simple ways to to just start kind of shifting without making a big change yeah um so I think the reason that the first part of the book is sort of about that idea of stepping out of perfectionism. So letting go of these impossible expectations that will never be reached and, and out of all or nothing and out of like teaching you how to get out of that is, is that's the foundation, but then there's also really tactical things that you can do. And, um, and I really love to examine like when you're in the all out phase of anything in your life. Yes. What I would recommend is not is resist the urge to go all in. And um, I was just doing reading a couple articles that were about the um, subtle aggression of self improvement and how wow. the whole idea of goal setting resolutions is re- for most people is grounded in this subtle self aggression that I am at some level such a, a idiot failure loser about this thing that I deserve like to come at it as a punishment almost. So I'm going to go all in and I'm going to sacrifice and I'm in discipline. Well, first of all, that doesn't work. <laughs> Just FYI. I, I like, needed to hear this on a very personal level as I <laughs> have like one of those like meal plan diets on my fridge that I'm like, I don't want any more lettuce today. <laughs> well, it's so seductive. I mean, that's this kind of Pinterest version of, being a a person taking care of themselves is like alluring this idea of like having it all together and having a system and right and i love systems but it's like from what for what purpose like is it because this is going to support you and help you to get like do the things that are going to make you feel good or is it because it's this rebound effect to something that you really are uh, like very unhappy about and that unhappiness can be a a a North star can say like, you know, maybe you really do realize I am not nourishing myself with food. Yes. And I know that that that's not a, I always say should and good should to good. So like, is this a should for you? Are you shitting all over yourself? Or you, is this, that's my version of humor. It's pretty mom. Um, no, are you kidding? I'm here for mom (laughs) jokes and I will never like puns. Like the people who don't like puns, by the way, when people like there's like pretentious comedians, mostly like puns are the lowest form of humor. And it's like, I hump a stool. Puns are fine. Okay, I'm here for the lowest form of anything. Yes. Same. Uh, It's like, that's, that's where I thrive. Right. So you could ask yourself, 
I mean, this is where I would start is if you know you're, there's a part of your life that you're like, you say, I need to change this. I need to fix this. One is this a should or good. If it's a should, it, it's really something that you feel that you should be doing from your own pressure or external pressure, but it's not aligned with how you want to feel or your values. I like that. Or it's a good in that it does align with your values and how you want to feel. And then you need to ask, how am I, like, how am I going to get from A to B? And resist potentially, I would just suggest that you resist the urge to do something that's so far away from where you are now that it's unsustainable. I I am that person to a T and I know I'm not alone in this, but I am to a fault. Like why dip my toe in the pool when I can just dive in head first? And then I'm in and I'm like, I never learned how to swim. Why did I do this? And it's, um, a na- it's natural, like part of human cognition. So, and then the, I do find that about 50% of our people, that's their, their dominant, like way of being. It's like, and that can be good. Like it's, you know, you're probably a little more of a risk taker. You're probably- well, And it has had benefits. I mean, there are yes. occasions where it pays off. Like I did- I went from not being a meditator. I didn't meditate. Like I was like, oh, the idea. And I would try it every once in a while. I did a 10 day silent meditation. Like as someone who had literally no experience meditating. And that ended up being life changing. But I could see how it could have easily gone like most of the like quote diets I've done where I was five days in and I'm like, fuck it, I'm getting a burrito. <laughs> and and so I think you have to know yourself. So maybe there are times where like the 30 day thing or the 10 day, 30 is, 30 is typically not going to work for very it's many people. Lot. And what happens in your brain is like, have you ever heard of the white bear experiment? Wait, I think I have, but remind me. because Okay, well, don't think about answers. don't think about a white bear. No, that's the white bear. Okay, well- <laughs> And, and don't think about it for the next five minutes either. <laughs> so the second that you start trying to not do something, your brain oh, actually is effectively always thinking about how to do it. Oh, and yeah. so like really severe restriction is always going to have a rebound effect. And it might not be um, today or 30 days from now, but the biggest predictor of weight gain for people is going on a diet. The number one predictor. And it's usually within five years. So, so most people can sustain it for, you know, between 30 days to four to five years. And then they snap. They're just thinking they, about white bears. For, and then they start injecting Nutella into their veins. Right. They actually gain back more weight than was they actually start behind the starting line. Yeah. Whereas like it's a, if I was approaching this from like, oh, then there is a big part of you know, me shifting my eating. I've definitely like, I put on the COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it. So there is the like vanity being a woman in America, being a woman just inundated with everything going, I need to lose weight. But there is the part of me that's like, I have an autoimmune disorder. There are foods that make me feel better if Mm -hmm. I'm ingesting them regularly, but going, all right, let me start having, I don't, I like smoothies. Let me start having a smoothie in the morning instead of going, it's a, a smoothie with this exact amount. And then I'm going to have a salad with this turkey for like, I think that's a big thing for food for me with food is like, start, just start adding in more of the good. Yes. Like a hundred percent. And that, and I'm with you. I have an, I have an autoimmune disease. I have endometriosis. Like I'm just a walking list of problems. And so food does affect how I feel, but I'm coming. It's a good for me because I'm making choices for how I eat based on how I want to feel like today and also tomorrow and also next week. And so I I might, you know, for a small shift versus doing like a, a pretty restrictive measuring and counting all food, which again, I mean, you can do it, go ahead. And then like, I, the research is so fundamentally clear on <laughs> how well this works in the long term. Um, I'd rather yeah. have, <laughs> sorry, I'd rather have you use your mental energy for other things. So I'd, it, for small shifts, exactly what you said, I'd say, okay, what maybe make a, a list of like two to three, what I call kind of emergency or fallback meals that yeah. you will always have ingredients for in your house. So, you know, and that those you kind of reframe as your kind of baseline nourishment, like, 
and you look at that smoothie and you think like, how is this affecting me? How does this make me feel? Am I doing yes. this because I'm trying to punish myself or lose weight? Or am I doing this? Cause this actually makes me feel good in my body. Like it energizes me. It makes me, I, I'm not in pain after I have this versus like, yes. I mean, yeah, a donut is delicious. I'll never fight someone on that, but like, do I want to take a four hour nap in the middle of the day because of one donut and then be like my elbows hurt for some reason. <laughs> but I can't get my rings off sometimes. And like, oh my actually- God, it's so, it's like so funny, like little things, but I didn't know any of that by the way, till I got an autoimmune disorder and like really started diving in. I knew that I'm like, no, there's foods that are bad for you. Of course there's foods that make you gain weight, but like the subtleness in like, if you really start listening to your body of like, I mean, also maybe it's just getting old, but like I, that I can get taken out by a slice of bread now. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that I'm just like, no, I would love a grilled cheese, but I don't have a week to lose. Right. And that, but see, that's the connection. And I think if you are someone who has some kind of illness, you make start to make those connections faster, but yeah. it's still like, it doesn't have to be labeling things good or bad. It can yeah. really be just this constant loop of like, how do I feel now? How do I feel? How do I want to feel? And how do these things the cycle connect to each other and you can start making those small shifts. And so then maybe you're not looking at it as like, here's my plan and I have to measure everything out, but more like just this ongoing like daily experiment of what, you know, for what'd you say? JMS. Is that what people call you? Je- I mean, Jessica's <laughs> fine, but J- yes. Also people have just started calling I, me. JMS I feel like JMS. I, I'm feeling JMS. It's like, Let's well, this it. is it's the JMS it's just the JMS experiment. Like what is, does this work for me today? Does this make me feel good? And I know it's really hard to divorce ourselves from the idea that the only reason we eat is to lose weight or gain weight, but there actually are a lot of other reasons we eat. Yeah. It's like we need to eat to live. (laughs) Like it's literal nourishment, but yeah. Yeah. Food's awesome. I mean, and I have a website with 500 gluten dairy free recipes because that's how mostly how I feel good. And my husband has a dairy allergy, but it doesn't mean that like, there are sometimes when I ask myself how I want to feel like we, we got a really awesome pizza the other day and I'm like, this isn't going to make me feel like great. And I'm still going to do it. Cause this is like part of joy of life. So it really that. is an unlearning of a bunch of stuff that, that um, you think works, but doesn't. And I, I know people intellectually get that. And then they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like then, clicks. but then yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'll do something else. <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm like, why don't you just chart one small shift? So why don't you try that with breakfast and really just think about how this makes me feel versus whether I'm following the right plan. Yeah. I love that. And it's also, I mean, it ties into going back to almost working out, like working out that muscle almost of awareness, yes. mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. But like, cause I think so much, so many of us, Uh, We live in this sort of like go, go, go culture where, you know, we we measure our self-worth on productivity and none of us can live up to it. Mm That we're just like, I didn't finish the 800 things on my to-do list, which no one could, but I'm a failure. Like being able to catch like, no one, I I feel like there's so many people who aren't thinking about how things make them feel. We're just running on fumes. Mm -hmm. So even learning to be aware of like, okay, I, I ate this for breakfast being aware of how your body's feeling. That's like such a huge, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a well, huge, <laughs> tiny shift. Right. That's what I'm talking about. It, and it's awareness without judgment. So can you be aware if you don't feel good, that's not a chance, an opportunity to like fucking idiot. Why do you, you know eat that? Yeah. Whip yourself. It's yeah. just like, wow, that does, I don't feel good when I eat that. Like, Note. Now I know. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I might do it again tomorrow because I might need to learn that lesson a couple of times because I'm a human oh, yeah. being and I'm not perfect. But that um that asking how do I feel is the is a really important aspect of self-compassion, which we know makes literally people who are self-compassionate are number one, more compassionate with others, but also ironically more productive. They're more resilient. They're more likely to bounce back when something happens that's difficult or hard. Um, there's just, it's really like this incredible thing that it, it's just a travesty that we don't learn it because I, I think it's just antithetical again to all the things that we think are true. And so we resist it. But once you, you could start just by asking that question and you could do it about exercise too, you know, yes. like 
how do I, how do I, what was, what do I need right now? Do I need a hit workout? Maybe you do. Some days I really need, I like oh. want to, the endorphins and, and like, the yeah, sweaty. I want to like go at, at a million miles an hour. Right. Um, and then how do you feel after? And, <sighs> and then just having that loop, you start to trust yourself again. Oh, I love that. Trusting I can make yourself. good decisions. Yeah, <laughs> about well, what I need. It's like you are reinforcing the like, I mean, I, it's, I, I mean, in a way, I guess it's like Pavlovian, but like the like, oh, I feel really good after that workout. And you do it a few more times. And every time you go, I feel really good after that or whatever the activity is. So then it's like, I would assume eventually it becomes a thing where you're like, ooh, the thing that's going to make me feel good versus like, I got to, I need to work out because I hate my body. Right. Yeah. It's really like. I always say radical because it really is, but it's these simple, small, it's very sh small shifts that really do change your life. And I use that. Like, I know a lot of people use that and I'm skeptical of people who say it, but you don't <laughs> have to buy anything from me to try it. Like you, you, it's the stuff's in the book, but this is free. Like take it, try it, see how it works for you and um, see how it changes your experience with these everyday things that, you know, we've turned into like a form of punishment. I mean, truly that like that I literally look at salad as like my mortal enemy is <laughs> speaks volumes. And you might that never... I'm like, hello again, <laughs> salad. <laughs> See, I love salad because it really does make me feel good. And I never put that as a healthy. It was never a label like health and salad. Or yeah, I mean, I have a lot of deep conditioning that like was built in my home life that like, there was just like, a, I feel like I have an ancestral animosity towards salad for some reason, <laughs> but like, what's also a thing where like, I have found certain salad recipes that I really like. And I guess I'm at the point of awareness, but I haven't made the full shift of like, it's okay to like, oh, like here, here's a way I like to make a salad and I enjoy that. And I can repeat yes. that. I don't have to be out and have the salad that's on the menu just because I think I need a salad. Exactly. Not and I don't like kale. I'm anywhere. like, what the F with the kale? Like this kale belongs kale. buried in a smoothie at best or on <laughs> as a garnish. Right. Kale is kale is like the flag. Uh, like kale feels like, like a, a mascot for being gaslit by the entire wellness industry. They are just like, yeah, no, I love it. Mm, that it's like, you know, you're lying. Right. You are a liar. And it's hard to digest as well. Like you if it's dinosaurs, it doesn't, you know, if I, uh, you know, if you want to massage the kale, then we could talk about it. But like, it's that exactly. Do I like salad? it's probably not an, a black or white thing. It's probably like the, in this form, in this form, I love it. In this form, I don't like it. And I don't have to have it just because that's what every, you know, self magazine in the 1990s told us we should order a side salad and an appetizer when we go out to eat. Like, oh my fucking God. Like go to hell, all of those magazines. Yeah. And then, or it's like, the, like if you really like, you know, a certain vegetable cooked a certain way, like I love roasted broccoli. I don't need to be at, not that there's like literally no, I can't even remember what a social gathering is like, but like, <laughs> I don't need to like go to the veggie table and have the raw broccoli that I hate just to be like, well, I'm hungry, but I'm having the healthy snack. It's <laughs> like, no, raw, like you can find raw broccoli is in a travesty to all vegetables and it's so much better when you roast it. So <sighs> there's a, did you ever watch the runaway I'm, bride? Um, Oh yeah, years ago when it came out, Julia Roberts, right? Yes, and there's yes. A, so, and Richard Gere, like their uh, creepy little relationship from from everything. Yeah. Woman. It's like, oh, you were a um, hooker, and now you're here. You right. can't it, turn a hooker into some <laughs> type of nearly wife. I always found that deeply offensive. But in this <laughs> movie, it, he's she's the runaway bride, so she's had all these failed relationships, and he he discovers that all of her ex fiancés say that she likes her eggs a certain way, and what's <laughs> so in every relationship she sort of matched the the partner's like kind of approach, including the kind of eggs that he likes, and she yes, that she doesn't know what kind of eggs she likes. And I just think it's like the simple example of how we can lose ourselves in thinking about shoulds and in trying to do it a certain way, rather than just saying like, what kind of eggs do I like? And 
and let me do that and let's see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, that it's like, yes, I know some people find the fact that I genuinely enjoy egg salad sandwiches to be gross and offensive and behavior of a 90 year old man, but I like them and they bring me joy. <laughs> Right. Yes. And so those are the small shifts. I mean, there's a lot of others in the book, but I think for our conversation, that's really what I, what I mean. And I think it's like this deep, this breath of fresh air where you're like, oh, wait, that, that could, it could be that simple. Yes. Yeah. That like it, that doing like five minutes of yoga positions, if that, you know, makes your body feel good is is better than doing none. And you can be like, all right, I moved my body a little. Yes. There's actually, again, like, so I talk about exercise snacking, um, which is if you want to eat while you're working out, go for it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Exercise. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm here. I brought a cookie to a gym once and I'm here for this conversation. I just imagine like being on my spin bike with like red hot Cheetos. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I love it. It's all about balance, you know, just a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> but exercise snacking is just short bursts of movement throughout the day. So 10 minutes of movement a couple times a day. And they've actually found in the research to be incredibly effective, not just for cardiovascular health, but also for um, mental health and blood sugar stability. So something as simple as 60 stairs. So not 60 flights of stairs, 60 stairs showed um, improved blood sugar stability before meals, um, better mental health, better cardio fitness. So we don't, it's not even just better than nothing. It might be better than, yeah. It's like, (laughs) it might be just as good as like, I got to go to the gym for two hours and pump this iron. I don't have never said that. I don't know why that was my example. Right. But But if, if that's, and I, I think five minutes of yoga stretching, if, if, if you're pushing through and ignoring what your body needs, that's actually better than like an hour of, of like a hit workout when you've already depleted yourself down to zero. So it's like, we just have to let go that one thing is better than the other. And that like doing it super hard for an hour is always the right thing. And if you don't do that every day, well, sorry. You You're failed. Loser. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts, wisdom, advice on turning things into habit, if that makes sense? Going from, I'm going to try the one thing today to like bringing that into sort of your regular existence if it's making you feel good. Yes. So the second half of the book is more about habits and routines because like you need the, you need both, right? You need mindset and you need habits. Um, like the biggest, that was what I did in my career a lot before this. The biggest mistake people would make with habits though is trying to add too many habits all at once, which again, we know is really difficult. <laughs> yeah. So before you even, I mean, the ha- a ha- creating a habit is pretty simple as um, getting the right, having context. So some kind of trigger cue that you do it um, and then uh, doing it and having some kind of reinforcement afterward. It's pretty much classical conditioning. Um, doing, and then if you do it enough over time, it will stick. That's yes, not yes. typically the issue that people have. The issue is really more about the mindset stuff or um, to adding too many at a time. So my number one tip is, you, my guess is what you're talking about with habits is like a whole set of habits and a whole routine. Yeah. I would try to back it up to like one step versus trying to do all. Yeah, like change your time. breakfast, like we said earlier, or like five minutes a day. Um, yes, yes. Move your body. Try because that's actually hard enough. Um, but and I would also add something versus trying to extinguish a, a bad habit. So I yeah. would try to add something versus try to take away something. Just stop doing something. Yeah. Yep, and stabilize that. Once you stabilize it and it becomes automatic, then you add something else. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And what about if someone is trying to cut out a bad habit? Like if like chain smoking. Right. Well, we have such a different, it, there's a lot of ways to do it. At US, we typically teach the all or nothing method. Yeah, cold in, turkey. Which- right. In the UK, they have a much more like how, if you've been smoking three packs a day, you could try Smoking, smoking one less, yeah. no, like one, one cigarette less out of that three packs. Wow. That has and- also been shown to work. So it's very, you know, we think the only way is cold turkey and, and you can show with smoking cessation that that can work, but there's actually evidence also that you could just do one less. Wow. Over and time. Just over time. 
One, and I, I guess I, I assume, you know, that would go both ways is you could do one less cigarette and also, you know, or do one more push up or whatever, you know, every day, you know, I'll do 60 stairs today and tomorrow I'll do 61 and like. Yeah. Or you could let 60 stairs be enough. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, if there was a bad habit, I'd say you could um, think about sort of incrementally ratcheting it down, but also, I mean, we get into like really more the behavioral science, but you have to look at what the, what the behavior, what purpose it serves you. And you can't just extinguish a habit without replacing the purpose. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense that like, if, even if it is like a negative quote negative, you know, maybe something that's affecting your health habit, there's probably a reason that you go to that thing. Right. And if you don't, if you don't give yourself that, so like phone would be an example. How about doom scrolling? You guys, if you're listening to this on the regular feed, we are going to do just a few more minutes, but it's only over on Patreon. So patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed to get the last little nugget of this because I feel like this is just good stuff. Um, But where can they find your book? Uh, I assume recipes are at realfoodwholelife.com. Yeah. So the book is everywhere books are sold and the UK, Australia, coming to the Spanish market, Russia. Ooh, exciting. It's on audiobook. And then um, realfoodwholelife.com slash resources. I have some free like guides and things kind of along the lines of what we talked about. And then the podcast called The Feel Good Effects, where we dive into this stuff really deep. And then, yes. yeah, all the gluten and dairy free recipes and almost no kale can be found on my uh, website. A savior among us. <laughs> Well, there you have it. That concludes the free portion of this episode with Robin Downs. There's a little bit more over on the Patreon and we get deep into what we were just talking about toward the end of there, you know, shuffling vices and whatnot. Uh, And it's more excitement and fun. So patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed for as little as a dollar a month. You get all of those uh, full length episodes and more. And of course, I definitely appreciate that. And if you like the podcast, but you're not interested in that, I would still love to have you rate and review it on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button or wherever you listen to podcasts. See if within that app, you can leave a rating and a review. All of it helps people find podcasts, find this podcast specifically. That way, you know, we can all get answers to our ignorant questions. Share the podcast with your friends. Everyone's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Big, big thank you, by the way. I don't want to forget uh, some of my uh, League of Extraordinary Idiots on Patreon. John, Eric, Gene, Greg, Kathy, Terry. Yay, 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 yay. People who I get to hang out with at our hangs. So many fun things. I always see you guys in the live stream. Love interacting with you. So thankful for you. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Although you guys get the unedited, uncut version. Um. So you don't probably even really hear these outros anymore because you're listening to it directly on Patreon without all the tacked on stuff. Anyway, patreon.com. You've already heard me say the bullshit, but get over there. I would love your support. It's, you know, uh, I'm currently going out of pocket versus making money. I'm going to make money on the Patreon a little bit, but like, you know, there's overhead expenses. And, uh, you know, now I'm allowing ads to be dropped in but if i make a certain amount of money i'll just fucking cut that off fuck you ads um but until then enjoy the ads here you can follow blessed podcast on twitter or ignorance is blessed on instagram instagram is what i'm trying to do more on um you can see the faces of the people i interview and i'm putting clips and having fun over there maybe gonna start posting more shit just to kind of make it interactive uh open to suggestions so let me know and please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity they're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world if you have additional questions for robin or for another guest you want to suggest a guest let me know and the best way to do that is to join the facebook group ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots make sure you mention the podcast in the question uh that they ask you to join the group so that like we know you're not just a fucking weirdo because weirdos try to come in and we love weirdos but we only want weirdos who are there on purpose um anyway yeah that's the best way to make sure i see it because i try to keep a good eye on that and uh yeah give me suggestions keep asking questions because the more we ask the more we learn the more we know and of course 
As you all know, the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? (sighs) Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.